This is the Seven Figures Podcast Smart Money Strategies for Women with Sandy Waters. Seven Figures is sponsored by Family First Credit Union. When it comes to financial education, earning and learning go hand in hand, and Family First is here to help you and the greater Rochester community with both. All right, here we go. Another week. Thank you for being here. Another step closer to getting your finances in order. This is it. This is the year that you are going to make things happen. Get to where you want to be financially. And we are going to try to help you get there. So every week we invite in the experts, people who have achieved great success and wealth. And we learn their secrets. This week here with us, Satima Fowler co-owner of Capstone Information Technologies and founder of RochesterRockstars.com. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Sandy. You know, I hope you're ready for some tough love because I might say some things that people may not like, but it'll be good stuff. Well, that's what we need. We need a kick in the culo. To get us motivated. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> First of the year, you're hitting the gym and you're getting some tough love from Satima. <laughs> That's right. Okay, so before we get the tough love, I want to learn more about you, your money story. Who is Satima? What was life like growing up for you? Sure. So I'm an immigrant. I came here with my parents um, when I was in the fifth grade from India and we had no money. I mean, we literally, like I wore my night clothes to school. So you can imagine the teasing and everything. So I had a really hard childhood because in India, like we, we were, I mean, we weren't like, like rich, but like my dad was a professor and we had, you know, you know, uh, we were middle income and we had everything and I was very happy. I had friends. I come from another country where people couldn't understand. Even though I knew how to speak English, the accent was so different. Nobody could understand me. So it was actually a really dark period of my life. And, you know, we we had nothing. And I think one of the things that I remember as a child, one of our big treats that my parents used to do is we used to go to McDonald's on uh, once a month. That was our big dinner out. And we used to always get a small fries, you know, the smaller package, not the big red one. And we used to all share all the four of us, you know, my my mom, dad, my brother and me then. And one day I saw this guy order like one of those large and those big red boxes and, and he ate it all by himself. And I remember saying, one day when I grow up, I want to get my own big fry <laughs> <laughs> and and um, and I don't have to share so that was like one of my thing all throughout life. Like I just had this thing that, yes, the circumstances I'm living in today is not going to define who I am. And it was always like my big carrot, like, you know, I'm destined for greatness. I'm going to I'm going to break through this and I'm going to make things happen. So I've always had that kind of mentality. So, so you just innately had it. And you were just a young kid. Some of us as grown adults still need to learn how to think that way, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So that's what I mean by tough love that, you know, if if you're in a circumstance where you're not happy with, well, get out of it because I wasn't given anything. If mm-hmm. anything, my parents said, no, you know, you got to go safe. You got to, you know, you can't do this. You can't take, there was, they were very risk adverse. So okay. they did not encourage me. They wanted me to play, you know, play it safe because that's the way they were brought up. Um, but I just knew, I just knew that this wasn't enough for me. I, I want more. And In your culture as well, being a female, were they even more so, hey, be risk adverse? 
that I have to give my parents a lot of credit. So there has been cousins and aunts in my family where the husband was abusive or left and then they were left with nothing. So my mom always knew that and she always wanted for me to be independent. She never wanted me to rely on a man for my outcome, you know, my financial being. So I give them so much credit for that. They use their past experience to say, no, we're not going to repeat that for our daughter. So now you had this goal ever since you were how old when you moved here? Um, I think 11. Okay. Yeah, 11. Okay, so it was in you. The passion mm-hmm. was there to succeed. And then um, how did you jump to owning your own company? Because you didn't always, right? You had no. a, a corporate job for a while there, Yeah, right? I worked at Xerox. That's what brought me to Rochester. And funny story is I went... When Xerox came to interview on campus, because my degree is in electrical engineering, because my parents said, okay, forget all the other things you want to do. Um, <laughs> you either need to be a doctor or an engineer. That's what good Indian kids do. So <laughs> I, I don't like blood, so I decided to go to engineering. Um, and then, uh, and I remember telling my friends, I don't care what Xerox offers me. I'm going to take that job. I'm going to live in Manhattan. I'm going to live in a loft. And you guys can just come and be jealous. I had no idea how far Rochester is from Manhattan. <laughs> but I took the job anyway. <laughs> oh, wow. What a shock, huh? <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's actually closer. Maryland is closer to New York City than Rochester is. But I was bad in geography. Anyway, so I got here and Xerox was a fantastic place for women. I learned so much. Um, it was such a good company. And then I left Xerox and then I went to go work at General Motors here in um, Honeywell Falls, where we were working on hydrogen cars that were driven, fueled by hydrogen. And it was one of the smartest people I've ever worked with. It was a great job. Um, But there was always something inside of me that wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I never knew what to do. Mm -hmm. Like I had so many ideas that I didn't know what to narrow it down to. In the meantime, my husband had started Capstone IT. So he know he had worked for IT company before he had the experience, but my job was what was kind of um, feeding us because Capstone wasn't making money yet. You know, when you first start out, and you know we were eating macaroni and cheese and you know all that. But um, so for me to leave my job, I mean, our benefits, everything was going to go uh, away. Okay. But then after two years, Capstone IT was doing well enough where we said, okay, I can quit my job and join full time. And my job was to grow the business while my husband, Michael, he was going to run the operations and service our clients. But then the next two years were probably like my darkest years because here I've quit my job. I have like left everything. I've, I mean, I have to make this a success. Otherwise we have no other recourse, but I didn't know how to make that phone ring. I have a master's degree. I have patents, technical patents, but I didn't know anything about sales and marketing. And I did not know how to make that phone ring. And I was like, okay, I got to figure this out because we can't keep eating mac and cheese forever. Um, So I just started reading books. I was calling up people, other business owners, whoever would sit down and talk to me. And then I had to figure this out. So slowly by slowly, I tried, started to figure out what this whole marketing engine is about to get that phone to ring. Now, for you, it was the business side. How do I make my business be profitable? But I feel like 
we are all our own business. We are all our own brand. So yeah. when it comes to marketing, it's not just if you own a business or not, we should all be doing it, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the, the same skills that I use for my business, you use it as your work, you use it at any um, fundraiser, anything you're doing for your kid's school. I mean, it applies everywhere. And I think one of the biggest things I tell people is get out of your comfort zone and do the things that don't always feel safe and comfortable because you're capable of so much more mm. and you've got to have your ears open because you don't know what's going to happen in the future. So you've got to like have tons of lines in the water, a lot of different things going on. And that's part of my tough love message. <laughs> get out there. Stop. <laughs> stop being in your safe zone. What, how long were you in that quote dark period of your life where you were eating mac and cheese until the phone did start ringing? I would say it's probably at least a full year, if not more even then, before we started to see success. Because I was just like, I've quit my job. I don't, I mean, I'm, a, I'm great at project management. I've led all this wonderful product development at Xerox and, and GM. But I, I, was, I was feeling worthless at Capstone. I was like, no one knows about us. Nobody's calling us. I, I, what are we going to do? We have a great service, but nobody knows. So what was it? What was, what were, what were the strategies you took? Yeah, that's a great question, Sandy. So some of the things that we started to do is, okay, so we got to go out and start a marketing plan and a marketing plan is kind of, it has to be multifat when you are on a limited budget. So let's face it. It's not like I have a budget, like a advertisement budget, like a Xerox would, right? I have a very limited dollar. So how do I make that count? Mm -hmm. And I think it starts with identifying who you want to market to. Like it, you can't say everyone because that's too expensive. If I said, okay, I want to market to businesses in Rochester um, that have like, you know, 20 to a hundred employees, let's say, then you start to kind of, you know, build a list. Who are the companies that are out there that I want to market to? And then it could be as simple as sending a letter. Then after a letter, maybe you want to send something else, like a postcard, maybe a, maybe a little book. Then you have to get some email addresses and you got to mark. You have to be kind of omnipresent and be out there. And then maybe you, people see you speak at a seminar. Um, so I feel like in marketing, you have to have several lines in the water because not everybody's going to respond to the same thing. Mm -hmm. And just like me doing this radio show with you, you know, maybe they people have received my letters and I went right in the trash, but maybe somebody's listening to this show and be like, oh, well, Satima has a, you know, IT company called Capstone IT. Next time they're having computer problems, you know, maybe they'll call me. So I feel like you just have to have little lines in the water and be omnipresent. So start those relationships, build those relationships throughout and throughout your career, because you never know when your company is going to downsize. You never know when you're going to want to take a, a, a change in your career path. Right. Oh, my God. That's 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 so key, Sandy, because you don't know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And for you to kind of be safe, that's what I mean when I say don't get safe. Like the minute you start to feel like really comfortable that's when you know that you're not ready for something that could just drop, you know. And everybody says it. Everybody who's sitting across from me like you are says the same kind of thing. It's your, you know, it's your network that equals your net worth, right? The more relationships you build, the more people you know, you never know when they're going to help you out in the future, when you can help them. But sometimes it's uncomfortable. Sometimes 
I don't know, how do you make a relationship flourish? Do you don't want to seem fake about it? So, you know, you would be surprised. Like even when we were talking earlier in the show, you were saying like you called up people who do these podcasts and you got advice from them. They're nationwide, you know, um, really successful people and they helped you out. Same thing. You'd be surprised. So for me personally, I get several calls a month and I, you know, I can't help everybody, but I will, I mean, I mentor a lot of people in Rochester. They'll just come to the office. We'll sit down one-on-one and, you know, they will tell me that they're looking for opportunities in this area. Then I will say, who do I know that can help this person? And I'll make connections for people. So I find people are so generous. If you reach Mm -hmm. out to people and let the universe know what you're seeking, I think a lot of the times people don't know what they want. So I think you have to get clarity for yourself and what you want to pursue. And when you do that and let the universe know, you'll see doors opening for you. Somebody somewhere is going to hear you say it and they're going to say, you know what? I know somebody who can help you with that. You know, and when we were talking earlier, you know, I started that RochesterRockstars.com site where I was profiling successful business owners in the area. I didn't know where that was going to start, but I put it out there in the universe because I said, everybody's talking about how Rochester is a doom and gloom place with Kodak downsizing, Xerox downsizing. But I meet with a lot of really great people that are so success minded. I'm just going to start profiling them. And the next thing I know, the DNC called and said, hey, can you blog about it in on our site? Mm-hmm. So doors will open for you, but you got to put yourself out there. And when you say have that vision, you mean more than just I want to be rich. Yeah. You know, I, I, I really believe all of us are meant for so much more than we're actually utilizing. Mm-hmm. Like God has given us amazing body and brain and, and we are meant to take risks and put ourselves out there to help other people. As long as you're creating value for the world, if there is a need and you are not just taking, but giving back in a way where you're creating more value, mm-hmm. the wealth will come. The wealth is going to be a byproduct. It will come. I've always felt that way. So I always start out my ventures as solving a problem, creating value for the world. And some way, somewhere, something opens up where I am rewarded financially. And that is one of your tips, right? If we were to break it down, now you've given so much great advice to your followers, but one in particular, one blog that I saw, and I think it was on the DNC, man, you did that for how many years? Uh, five years. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of good information there. Um But one of your blog posts, I think, really hit home, and especially to the people that are listening now, tips to lead to wealth and success. Yeah, it starts with kind of having an idea. Sometimes you don't know. And and that happens to me, too. Like, I don't always know. Like, Like I said, you know, when I when I knew I wanted to have a business, but I didn't know what to start for years. You know, I didn't start anything. And then the opportunity with Capstone came up and I jumped on it. But as long as you are kind of just putting yourself out there, meeting people, getting involved in the community, something will bubble up and surface that it is gnawing at you more than other things. It's taking up more space in your brain Mm. than other thoughts. And that is your indicator that maybe you should pursue that. That's as always, because I'm not one of these people, like I hear people all the time, like the minute I was born, I knew I was meant to do this. I never had that kind Me of clarity. Neither. Yeah, no, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. So I'm <laughs> I still waiting to see what I'm going to be when I grow up, right? <laughs> so, but when I put myself out there, I just feel little things happen and open up. And then all of a sudden, like, I love cooking. I love, this is just an example. 
I've always wanted to open a restaurant, but I've always been too chicken to like, you know, open up because I've always heard how hard it is and so many restaurants close, but it, it, it won't go away from my thought. And one day I took a class with a couple of my friends at New York Kitchen, which used to be the Culinary Center in Canandaigua. And I was taking a class and I was talking to the instructor. The next thing I know, the instructor goes, would you want to teach a Indian cooking class here? And I'm like, oh my gosh, where did this just come from? So now I'm going to be doing classes at Are the New York, really? New York Kitchen. Yes. So it's like, okay, just because I had this idea that wouldn't go away and I was just talking to somebody oh. and so, uh, Avenue opened up. So, so that's what I mean. Like when little things open up like that, grab it. But they, if you, if I sat at home and thought about it, it would have never come to me to contact the New York kitchen to see if I could teach there. Sometimes you have these things gnawing away at you and you don't know how to have it make money for you. You're saying that just put it out there, keep your eyes open and the the money will come eventually. Yeah. So one thing I've always, you know, one of your things that um, I know in your questions that you wanted to ask me was, you know, do I follow a budget? This I've never been the one to ever follow a budget. To me, that's so boring. But <laughs> one thing, one thing that always drives me is I want to be financially free. I don't want to have to be limited. If I have the personality, if somebody tells me I have to do things in a certain way and follow rules, I, it, it doesn't work. I, I will bust out of those, those boxes. So if somebody told me, here's your budget and you have to stick to this budget. Yeah. Um, I, I, it, see, I that's could, where I, I feel most do, comfortable. Yeah. See, I've, well, people like, are just different. Just tell me what I need to do. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> people are different. And when I need to do it, like when, when our beginning years of Capstone, we didn't have any money. So we were watching everything. We didn't go out to eat. We didn't do any of that. And I knew it, but it was to get to something else. Like if, as long as I have that, mm -hmm. then I can do it. Mm -hmm. But, but since then I've always went for, do I want, you know, when people say, you know, how much money do you want to have and all that? I say, I want to be financially free so that if I wanted to take a trip to Europe, you know, next month that I, I wouldn't have to be like, Oh, where am I going to get the money? Like, I, I don't want to. So I always work to be financially free. And, and it's not just for, um, frivolous stuff like, you know, vacations or, you know, bigger, better car houses. It's also for, I feel like for personal safety. So a couple of years ago, my parents were in India and they, their car, their tour bus got hit by a truck. And my parents were in like, you know, in a, in a, what we would consider a clinic here in a very remote part of India. Um, and they weren't getting better. They were like dying. I had to, on a, you know, on a one day's notice, get on a flight, and I was there over a month trying to get them healed up so I could bring them back here. I think I wrote checks like totaling up to like, you know, sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars. <gasps> In India, if it, it, insurance doesn't mean anything, at least not at this clinic, it didn't. You have to write checks if you want to receive care. If I didn't have the financial means to do that, so that's what I work for is those kind of financial oh. safety. Um, it doesn't have to be because I want a bigger car. Um, I don't ever want to be where... I couldn't take care of my parents because I didn't have the financial means. That's what drives me. I want to be financially free to be able to do stuff like that. Okay. What are some other tips? You know, when I interviewed all those Rochester Rockstars um, CEOs and, and, you know, they all have their area of expertise of what they bring. But 
if I listen to all of them, there are a couple of things that is common no matter what. Wait, before you okay. get there, first, I just want to remind everyone that Conversations Like This One is sponsored by Family First Credit Union. From personal banking to business services and home loans, their number one priority is finding a solution that works for you locally. We are here with Satima Fowler, the owner of Capstone IT and founder of RochesterRockstars.com. Okay, so yes, with all the people that you've sat down with local Rochester rock stars, as you call them, or even the big, well-known people. What is that that common thread? So for those of you who watch um, American Pickers, from a celebrity point of view, the one that sticks out in my mind the most is Mike Wolf from American Pickers. Now, he's had an antique art anthropology store. Um, he He's had an antique show, you know, where he collects antiques and sells them for years. And then one day... He got he he's like, you know, it's just a it's just a store. It's a retail is doing OK, but I want to blow this up. I want to I want I want to make this a huge business. And the way he did it was that he became a mini celebrity. He's, he contacted so many television companies, um, uh, stations, see if they will if he can do a show where he's showcasing the history behind some of the antiques he is collecting. And his show is called American Pickers. And now it's like a number one cable show. But. His message was, the Amer- he doesn't make a ton of money with the American Picker show, but what is done for his retail business, the antique, like people in Nashville are wrapped around the corner trying to get into his store. He sells everything from T-shirts to everything. Oh. He doesn't have the rights to sell T-shirts that say American Pickers, but he's by association, Mike Wolf now has become a big celebrity. His thing is become a mini celebrity in your own way in your own area and that will expose you to so many things and doors will open for you. So that was one thing I learned from him. And that's why I do, you know, all the public speaking, the Rochester rock stars, because you, you know, I'm putting myself out there. So that's the celebrity. You're creating your own brand. Yeah. It goes You're back to what we were saying earlier. Brand. Okay. Yep. Um, as far as the common things from other interviews that I've learned, number one is be yourself. A lot of people think like, okay, I need to sound bigger. I need to be a certain way. I need to sound more corporate because that's what's going to be acceptable. You're going to be in the mediocre middle if you do that. I say your quirkiness, your weirdness is your unique gift that's going to propel you. So don't be afraid to be your unique self. Um, no matter how weird or how you think that it's not what society wants, that is what's going to make you unique okay. and, and achieve greatness. So follow that little quirkiness that you have um, and use that and don't try to be like everybody else. It's easier that way, too. To it be is. Genuine. Then you can be yourself. Yeah. And you don't have to pretend to be somebody you're not, which it's 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 not going to get you to make you stand out. Um. And then the second thing is the taking the risks. Most of the people that I interviewed have a higher risk threshold than a lot of us. Um, So, you know, they may, um, and I think you have to start kind of small, like what little risks that you can take. And then I think you just get bolder and bolder with your risk. And some of them, when you take the risks, you are going to fall down. And it is going to be where everybody around you is like, I told you so, you shouldn't have done it. But guess what? You know, you tried it, you learn from it, and then go on to the next thing. And don't just, again, back to my thing, don't don't stay safe. 
and because doors are not going to open up for you. And then the third thing I see very common is people work extremely hard and you just got to, you just got to work hard. You know, some things like, you know, TV watching and things, I, I, I don't have the time. I, I'm choosing not to do it because there's other things. Again, I'm after being financial freedom and, and, you know, I'm, I'm working on things that's going to help me accomplish my goals. Um, I don't, so I don't have a lot of time to just sit and, and do nothing. So, you know, there's, there's things you can do like that. Um, so and, and you got to work at it. All right. Now let's talk a little bit um, about cybersecurity tips for us, because this is what you guys do at Capstone. What should we be doing? What are the biggest mistakes that most of us make and leave ourselves vulnerable? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So the, the it's so bad the top right things. now. I'm sure there's a million. Yeah. And we're going to have to bring you in to do a whole episode on this. But Sandy, for your listeners, the biggest tip I can give you is create a good password and don't use the same password in multiple sites. So if you're shopping. Fatima, I can't remember. I know. So here, here's a good way. <laughs> So let's say on Amazon, you're buying something on Amazon okay. and they want you to create an account. Think of something like um, uh, love shopping in January. OK, so it's a phrase love shopping in January um, and then make a couple of those letters, capital letters, and then change out a couple of the A's with maybe the at sign um, and then add like some numbers in there. Love shopping in January 2021, something like that. So I say, think of little phrases that you will remember. I won't remember. Then think With of all the accounts we but, have. But you cannot use your kids' names. Don't use your pet names. Don't use previous addresses. That is all public. Somebody out there, and these are not human beings. These are machines gathering data from social okay. media and everything that is out there about you and they can figure out your password so easily. Where can we write it down? Can we write a list down anywhere? I don't trust my mind. <laughs> I don't so, trust my memory. Yes, there are sites called LastPass. These are password managers. So you do can you trust list, those sites. We do. We do. You so do. so okay. it's a different kind of encryption technology to be able to hack into something like that. And it's very, I mean, it, it, it would, I, I shouldn't say impossible, but it would be very hard for somebody to get it. There's also password generators. So they will give you a temporary password every time you log in. Same thing with credit cards. Instead of giving your credit card on Amazon to buy something, if you have a Citibank account, Citibank will give you a one-time use account that only lasts for a certain amount of time. And after that, it's no good. So those are some things that we're starting to like advise people on doing. So every time you put in a new password? Yes, it's a temporary password that you get. And after like you log out of Amazon, like it, it's no lo- it, it, it's it's no, no good anymore. So you have to put in a new password. So if anybody hacks into Amazon's database and steals that password, then, you know, it, it, it won't it won't work. If you just go to Google and say password generators, a lot of different sites oh, will come okay. up. And, you know, I think some of them are free. Some of them you have to pay for. Um, for businesses, you have to pay for For individuals, I think you can get a lot of these for free where it's a one-time use type of password generator. So you're not about writing it down on a good old piece of paper or in the notes in your phone? No, no, it's so bad right now. It's, I mean, your phone is a good place as long as you have the password on your phone set up with the two-factor authentication that Apple, like if you have an Apple phone, 
you can do that. You can put put everything in. If some if you lose that phone, um, first of all, you got to make sure that nobody can get into that phone. So a lot of people find it inconvenient, and so they take the password off. No, you need to have that password in place, and you have to have the harder password in place, not just the four digit password in place. How secure are the notes in your phone? And I'm speaking iPhone specifically, but I don't know if there's probably equivalent on a different type of phone, but. I think for the most part it is. I know iCloud, like if you are sending it to iCloud, iCloud has, uh, Apple accounts have been hacked before in the past. Again, where you're getting uh, email that looks like it came from Apple and you might, it's a phishing email. Phishing means that they're trying to look like somebody else and mm-hmm. you click on it because you didn't pay attention. So that's another thing. Um, you always want to look at the URL where it says HTTP, like the address of the, they will kind of spoof you. So instead of facebook.com, a phishing email might say facebook.com. But if you look closely, instead of the OO, it would be zero, zero. So that's a phishing site. They're taking you to a site that looks like a site that you normally go to. And it could have a key logger malware where they're seeing what password you're typing in. And then it now has your credentials. So you have to look for those phishing emails. And that's how people have gotten broken into the iCloud, the Apple accounts. Um, They send you something from Apple. You think, oh, this is coming from Apple. I'm going to log in and change my password. Well, guess what? It wasn't Mm -hmm. Apple that was sending it to you. It was somebody else. So you have to also change those passwords. You can't keep using the same password for years and years. Okay, we got some work to do. <laughs> Sorry, but it's so bad because it's become like a billion dollar industry of stealing people's data and it's doing crazy. things with it. It is scary. All right. Would you come back in soon to just go over all of that, protecting ourselves and our identity? I would love to. Okay. And, you know, we also started a Facebook group called um, hashtag get cyber chic because I noticed like a lot of women are not like paying attention to a lot of this. And um, there's cyber bullying from boyfriends and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I just felt like we need to make this kind of a little sexy and put things out there so women are paying attention. Yeah, that's um, true. So I would love to come back and talk to you. Thank okay. you for the offer. Wonderful. So we'll check out that in the meantime in RochesterRockstars.com. So much great information on that site as well. And also Capstone Information Technologies, that website. Satima Fowler, thank you so much. You're welcome. This has been fun. Good luck to you. We talk about it a lot on the podcast with every guest that comes in. Have that clear, defined goal in mind. But yet to get there, you need to take baby steps. So next week on the Seven Figures podcast, it'll be the first Friday of the month, which means Erica Cummings, VP at Morgan Stanley, will be in again with our monthly goal, putting together a financial plan. It's going to be easy. She's going to lay it all out there for us, and we're going to do it together. In the meantime, you have a fantastic weekend, and I will talk to you next week. Cheers to being financially confident women. If you have a personal finance question or feedback about the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to Sandy at sandy at rochesterbuzz.com. New episode every Friday. Listen, subscribe, and tell a friend about the 7 Figures podcast. Smart money strategies for women.